it's growing as as I'm working you know you can kind of you become more natural in who you are rather than that need to follow the script and be the clinician and not worrying so much about that because I felt that the more myself I am the better the outcomes been in general and the more connected I am to the person Welcome to another Real Clinicians Real Chats uh, with me, Alex Murray. I'm a podiatrist and strength and conditioning coach based in Canberra. And I'm Kit Wisdom. I'm a physiotherapist uh, studying a somatic psychotherapy based in Melbourne, in Victoria. So we have another guest episode. Woo! Another Real Clinician. Hey! It's uh, M McIver. M, how's it going? Hello! Good, thank you. I'm good. Happy to be on. <laughs> so before we, because we usually dive straight into conversation and so we're going to actively not do that. And I just want to hear about uh, from you to start with who you are, um, how you met us, how you came to be on the show and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I'm Emily or M. I'm a physio. I'm in my first year of work. I'm originally from Melbourne, but I'm living on the Sunshine Coast at the moment, which is where I'm working. And I actually met Kit a couple of years ago. I was actually going to the physio and um, met another health professional and we're actually having a chat and I was talking about my experience of learning at uni and she went, actually, I know someone who you might connect with pretty well. And she put us in contact with each other and we had a chat online and we've sort of just been completely in contact since just talking all the time and having some meetings occasionally which has been great so that's how I've met Kit yeah very cool it was so nice for you to reach out as well I think in like second or third year uni and uh, it was great just to have um, the questions you asked or the questions that I'm asking now so I was like how cool that this this girl is asking these questions and kind of really critiquing how she's learning at uni and, and what, what you're interested in. And, you know, I know you've got a bit of a, an interest in the mental health sort of side of things. Um, so it was, it was lucky that you were listening to our podcasts so that we could invite you on. <laughs> um, but no, it's been, it's been great to kind of um, just keep chatting with you as you've matured and, and come through uni and now you're first year out. Um, so Alex and I are really interested just to hear um, a, from what we've been chatting about, what resonates, but also just your experiences um, as a new grad. Um, yeah, so I think, Alex, you were mentioning before the show, she was talking a bit about something. Yes, so it <laughs> leaves me to do all the introductions and organising, uh, which, which also gives me a point to say, like, I think something that's... that's um, very underrated from a development perspective, potentially a bit overrated from a uh, getting, trying to get work post-university, but getting in contact with real, like private practice clinicians or people in a space where you want to work and just having conversations and learning more about things throughout university is such a good way of, or I mean, even if it's in any field that you want to be, you know, working in, I think it's a really good thing to, to reach out to people and to start having conversations. I know we have that a lot from a work perspective, get work, you know, get to know people, you know, sort of try and intern or try and do something to get to get work. But I think, you know, mm. forming those relationships early um, gives you a lot more insight. And, and I think that's the, the, the point, what you said, Kit, about, you know, developing and then starting to ask bigger and better questions, just seeing mm. the reality. But yeah, with that aside, um, yeah, before the before we sort of started recording, you were sort of talking to us about how you've listened to our podcast and you were sort of writing things down that um, were quite prominent to you or resonated with you. You were been thinking about and reflecting on some of our experiences and, and some of your own. Can you talk to us a bit about about that about that that experience as well as you know what if, if anything really particularly stood out to you? 
Yeah, definitely. I think I started listening and I just went, oh, this is really great. It's just nice and refreshing. A podcast that doesn't really have a strict agenda and it feels very natural. And I had a bit of a laugh listening to you two a couple of times and that was just really refreshing. And then I kind of went, oh, instead of listening to this in the car, where I'd usually listen to my podcast and try and fit everything in and learn a bit more. I kind of went, actually, I'm going to go sit down and listen to it and maybe take some notes because I found that there was a lot of things that were coming up for me that I thought, oh, this would be quite a good reflective experience to write down what I've gone through and kind of use the time to sit and read what I've written and then reflect on that a bit more, which is different to the time that I've had to reflect while I'm at work where I'm typically trying to just fit in more PD or more clinical sort of knowledge, just a nice space to kind of listen and yeah, just kind of think a bit more about what can I do differently or think about more of the experience that I've had, which I found really nourishing. So I really enjoyed doing that too. So there's a, there's a cool. difference in terms of like where, where you sort of like the, the PD sort of side of things and like the learning and then like the reflecting you're sort of finding your experience is that they're not often going together they're often kind of two separate things yeah i think they can be separate i think i've kind of tried over the years i think talking to kit initially and the conversations that we've had it came about that i might not feel as nourished um, in terms of my learning experience and so I've tried to create a space for myself where I've kind of sat down and thought a little bit broader, um, kind of be a little bit more creative and have time to reflect on things that may not be a set out sort of learning agenda or um, you know learning about clinical things in particular and found that to be really beneficial in terms of developing and not feeling pressured to just go along this clinical narrative sort of thing so yeah it's been really nice actually having that dedicated time which you don't typically have um, as a new grad or you have sort of a I've been lucky with my work but you know you might have a half an hour space where you're still trying to just cram in clinical knowledge um, just that cramming sort of feeling but actually having space to just sit and reflect without uh, you know, I've got a patient coming in soon or anything mm. like that, just my own time. Um, so I'm really fascinated, Em, like what does that feel like as an experience? Like we're using words like cram and space, but just as a kind of like you're setting yourself, this, this kind of environment, you're, it sounds like you're slowing down, you're kind of deepening your thought process. Like how is that for you? Does that feel different to university? Does it feel kind of similar in some ways? I'm just curious as an experience for learning. Um, what that kind of as a felt sense even feels like yeah I think it feels different um, I don't think that we have that space in uni um, mm. it's not really created in a sense for us um, and so I kind of felt like I needed to create it myself um, mm. in certain ways and I've gotten better at sort of learning how to do that for myself because it's not something that you just know um, yeah so, yeah, I think that I just sort of saw it as an opportunity to do that because it was a nice dedicated time to actually sit back and think a little bit more and listen to you guys and kind of hear what you're saying and maybe use that as a prompt because sometimes you don't actually know what you need. Mm. Um, yeah, just having that opportunity to kind of, yeah, write things down and not feel rushed or... Yeah, just kind of feel mm. a little bit of safety in the unknown rather than having a bit of a agenda that you've got set out to learn and you need to achieve. So, yeah. Yeah. Because I can imagine that, you know, we've talked a bit about on the on the potty around like um, having a bit of a, an agenda when you're first starting because it actually is a framework or kind of understanding where you're heading so it doesn't feel too big and... Um, you know, um, omnipresent. But I'm what I'm hearing is there's like a bit of nice balance here that you're kind of bringing in the reflective practice um, to kind of kind of come alongside the, the the emerging clinical practice, I suppose, as a as a first year that you're sort of developing. Um, I'm just curious around like reflection in uni. Like, how did they 
how did they teach it or like how do you can you give us a sense of how it was kind of included yeah we definitely talked about reflective practice um you know kind of learning from your experience and sitting back and going oh what could I have done differently what could I have done better but the focus was definitely more around the clinical side um that Mm -hmm. facts and knowledge about am I giving the best treatment um and I found that I wasn't really extending that to or how was I personally um Mm -hmm. how did I communicate how was the experience for myself and the person um and I definitely got better at that and focused on it a bit more because I think I was lucky that we had those chats together while I was still in uni so that was sort of introduced in my mind to be able Mm. to kind of go actually what was the whole experience like rather than thinking did I achieve the clinical outcome did I achieve my list did I follow the script did I tick all the boxes sort of thing yeah 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 it's interesting because there's two things that that pop out to me when you're sort of talking about it um and and kit probably has better words uh to explain Um, no, no, it's interesting because, like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've just been reading about a lot more about reassurance, and there's different types of reassurance and different labels and different things that we go mm. about that we may be doing or not doing. Um, I digress. But one was was output. The, the the reflective practice was kind of more about your output and less about you as a as a person and how you felt, and therefore, the the second thing that sort of stood out is therefore there was not the focus on the patient as someone receiving that it was it was just on it was almost like a product based focus and there in a way a, a controlled uh, controlling the way that you know and trying to produce something that was repl- replicable amongst mm. every single student every single student coming out you know it's like going to an art class and and you know everyone's producing this the exact same vase and it's like you know is that actually in one respect the goal um Mm. or is it just and i say that that is that is the goal um but not to put that on on or to say anything bad about unis i've gone down that pathway accidentally where i've been like (laughs) uni doesn't do this and i've gotten in trouble um which was fair should have shouldn't have framed it that way um but from that point of like when we're not focusing on those other aspects it's sort of is that that's the accidental outcome that we're all kind of producing individuals with the same exact sort of process procedure because it's all about just getting the same output rather than leaning into ourselves and and what strengths but also weaknesses we might have as individuals does that kind of how how does me saying that does is that a good read is that is it something different Is that thrown to me? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, yeah, I think it, it, is a, it is a good read. Um, I just sort of, I found so much benefit in thinking about the whole experience in terms of growing as a professional, but also as a person and connecting with people more. And I just, it makes me wonder, you know, what if we did dedicate more time for that sort of expansive reflection during uni and how would that change the narrative of going into the workforce and feeling like you can have trust in your ability or um, feeling like you're worthy? Because, yeah, I think just talking to some of my friends, especially at the beginning, you kind of feel it's a a natural experience going into work, but, you know, making sure that you feel like you can trust your ability and not stressed about what's going to happen or I don't know enough that sort of thing, mm. but actually feeling comfortable in not knowing and being able to know that you have the ability to sit back and go, what could I have done better and actually finding it exciting rather than overwhelming. Um, just mm. that continual learning experience. Um, yeah. Well, we've spoken a bit about it before, haven't we? How the it's actually quite overwhelming at times to not know. And especially when we're in that expert position and, you know, I can imagine as a new grad, you know, now there's even more things that we have to be aware of. You know, we've got trauma-informed care, we've got, you know, patient-centred care now. Like if we think about, I mean, I'm a bit older than Alex, but, you know, there's so much more now coming out as a new grad that you've got to be aware of, you know, neurodivergence. Like there's 
it just seems to be more and more and more layers of how to meet the, the individual. Um, and you just think if we're not meeting ourselves as individuals as well, like how that, that you can sense that it's like we're kind of chopping off part of ourselves in order to, but we're also trying to meet a whole human. Um, so I can really understand how that, that, that need to kind of develop our, our own selves um, earlier on so that by the time we're meeting these complex humans, we're more okay with not knowing because we know that we're also quite complex and got layers and depth and, and, and we can't possibly kind of know everything. Um, but yeah, I think also the other thing that popped up for me and when you were talking briefly before, and um, I know we chatted a little bit about it just before, but also links in with Alex kind of going the, creating the same, I'm going to say vase. You say vase, I say vase. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> I learned that, that I've been pronouncing lots of things incorrectly for I years. I love that. Hey, I used to call a rhubarb on the front of a car a rhubarb because I thought it was rhubarb. I didn't know it was a rhubarb, so, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Um, but this sense of creativity, and we were just chatting a bit before around, um, you know, if we are kind of producing the same outcomes and we're looking to tick boxes, like at what point does that actually limit our creativity as, as clinicians? Um, and how do we perhaps tap back into that? And I'm just curious your thoughts. It's a bit of a big question, but... <laughs> jump you in there yeah yeah um well I remember you know we were talking and I was just thinking have you found it quite you know healing or nice to actually be writing blog posts without having an agenda because you kind of go through this huge uni experience going all right I've got to follow the task requirements I've got to do things specifically the way that I need to and then Mm it's quite refreshing being able to kind of do whatever you like and having the experience of reflecting that way um so yeah I think it's it's hard because obviously the experience of being a new grad is always going to be challenging but having a different sort of mindset about it and having that healthy layering of knowledge rather than feeling like you're always striving to fill the gaps and um being able to find comfort in that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to know how exactly to to change the way you're doing things to do that. But yeah, I think that that's an important thing. Hmm. How do you how do you bring creativity into your work at the moment, do you think? Like, how do you bring, you know, M, uniquely M into into your, your job? That's a really good question. I think it's <laughs> It's growing as as I'm working, you know, you can kind of, you become more natural in who you are rather than that need to follow the script and mm. be the clinician and not worrying so much about that because I felt that the more myself I am, the better the outcome's been mm-hmm. in general and the more connected I am to the person. Um, yeah, I think that, and that opens creativity and it's also being comfortable to kind of have moments where you're not talking and let them bring up things that are important to them. Um, but that also comes with learning what to prioritise mm. in the appointment and when you can give that sense of connection and also getting the right things done. So that's a bit of a learning experience in itself. Um, yeah. Trying to find the space to be creative for them figuring out where that's the best place to be in the appointment when you're still trying to consolidate what's important clinically. So yeah, it's a bit of an evolving process, I think. Mm, definitely. The, the words I've been, I like speaking up, especially when you're talking about like, you're talking about worthy, are you worthy of uh, you know doing this practice or is this what you're doing for the patients? Are you, are you worthy of, of, of having that role? not knowing enough and then talking about uncertainty and the thing that sort of popped up is is that you know we're talking about we, we talk about a lot of things being you know uncertain and we have to hold that uncertainty but it just it seems like so much of what you've and how you've been taught is about having this bar 
that you have to sort of reach that seems quite high and uh, and it's quite certain where it is. And so like the two the two sort of things that I'm wondering is is you know, whether you feel like having the way that sort of we go about teaching and the way we go about marking and we try and make people sort of reach a point of competence, is that almost like too high in a way so that it in a way suppresses all those sort of things about wanting to be yourself because it's if it's so high and you're constantly striving that was one of the things that you i think you said the word striving to meet that that point uh, mm. that that whole sort of process is if we lowered that bar because um, i think one of the things that might 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 be misinterpreted from conversations like this is that we kind of just don't want to have a bar or don't want to have right or wrong conversations mm. but if we just took that bar and sort of put it lower and say this is a, a point of competence and then that's much much lower and then had more focus on how we would individually solve problems rather than having what is the most evidence-based plan when we know we don't have huge amounts of evidence i mean looking looking around you know just doing reviews for a course on heel pain that i'm doing we don't have so much uh, so, so we have to sort of be filling the gaps with what's going to work best for our patient. Um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of setting people up to to fall over. And in, in my mind, if we're setting this bar high or saying it has to be evidence based and it has to be at this point, I'm I'm wondering what you're saying that being in this experience, what what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think it's a difficult um, it's a difficult thing, but even just having more space for open conversations of the learning experience itself and kind of that bonding experience, which you obviously have when you're in uni, you talk to your friends about how you're going and, um, you know, talking about challenges and things like that. But it's been so valuable having chats with Kit or seeking them out with, you know, other teachers at uni and things like that when you're actually just talking about the experience itself and reflecting and having that, that chat about oh what are we learning and not feeling like you're I guess alone in you know worrying about the clinical outcomes and things like that so maybe just having a bit more of that reflective time to talk about the experience itself um yeah especially in private practice I think as well um so yeah I um when I was at the pain conference a couple of months ago now um and I think we've talked about a bit on this on the podcast that there was a it talked in, in the in both the injury prevention literature but also in the um which i think is particularly relevant to this the adverse childhood experiences literature so negative mm. things that happen in someone's childhood that then goes out to to affect and have real uh, health uh, our you know poor poor health outcomes mm. uh for individuals and it was interesting because one of the things that came up uh, consistently is sort of a theme was we're trying to in a way we try and prevent bad things from happening we try and prevent you know all these negative experiences and take them away and I think from from what you've said is immediately sort of cut through the the framing of that question that I had which was you know do we need to change the the experience altogether but really what you're sort of highlighting and and what all the research is showing injury prevention adverse childhood experiences is that positive experiences can overcome those negative experiences so you know we don't have to get rid of challenging things we might just have to have more space and more support to to support people going through those challenging experiences is that a, is that a good sort of reflection of of what you've what what you how you essentially thinking about this and also what you kind of did incidentally by seeking out kit and others yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, yeah, I guess it's always going to be challenging, like I said. Um, you know, I don't think there's any way to prevent the overwhelming feeling of being a clinician at the start of your career and you've got so much to learn and there's so many things you could learn, so many courses that you could do. Um, you know, that's just a journey that's inevitable, but kind of that feeling of inadequacy that it kind of comes up a bit when I talk to my friends or when I did at the start of the year kind of feeling like oh once I do this I'll feel confident once mm -hmm. I do this I'll feel confident going through the year like that but I don't know what else we could 
put in, I guess that reflection time would be really beneficial. But yeah, I think the ability to kind of accept the uncertainty or being able to sit with the feeling that you don't know everything. And I guess that's what's been a really big evolving process this year for me is kind of getting more comfortable going, okay, I don't really know that, but having the space or being able to handle that, I guess, in the console or talk openly to someone about that or, yeah, that sort of thing about embracing the complexity and not getting overwhelmed by it um, Mm -hmm. in a, yeah, sort of in a healthy way rather than that striving sort of feeling or feeling the need to know and achieve to, yeah, being accomplished, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think also what pops up for me when you talk, Em, is um, about how we, you know, we started exploring your interests, perhaps even in the physio umbrella, you know, back then, like we were talking about, you know, your strengths and, you know, what you're interested in and which parts you found challenging and what what you found actually really, you know, um, enjoyable as part of your undergrad and what you're looking for in a job. And just that, that ability to kind of, kind of stop and prop and kind of understand what where your interests lie or where your energy or where your sort of pathway could lie, Um, you know, because I compare it to mine and I didn't really start doing the thing that I wanted to do until I was, you know, 30-something. So, you know, you you think about how I think, what I think about is how we could potentially um, develop and understand and build that self knowledge in our clinicians. Yes, they've got to still have the, you know, the, the foundational baseline of knowledge around all things, all the, all the things in physio. But, you know, then it could be like, what are you actually interested in? Like, again, if we're talking about retention and sustainability within within the, the professions, knowing that burnout and dropout is, is getting, you know, the, the time spent in the professions is getting lower and lower. I think there was a recent study. I don't know it. Sorry, Alex. I just saw it somewhere. Um, but it was like literally the last couple of years that was, it was saying by the end of the first year out, the physios were... All, all kind of subjectively reporting they were pretty burnt out. So I think, you know, this sense again of like developing yourself um, and your interests and then also being able to kind of combine that with the foundational knowledge and know that you're kind of doing a bit of both um, and developing different parts. Um, you kind of, I go back to the things that I don't enjoy as much because I've kind of got that outlet of the things that I am really interested in if that makes sense. Um, I don't have a question in there. I was more just reflecting about how you've gone about this because I'm, I'm really impressed and admire how you've gone about, you know, reaching out and building your... It just feels really um, mindful. And we've chatted about this before, but you, you seem to make, you know, really informed decisions. Um, and I suppose maybe the question there is how do you think that has kind of kept you in good stead for your first year out, knowing that you've, you know, you've gone away from home, so you're in, um, you know, the sunny coast instead of Melbourne. Um, you know, you've gone into private practice, um, which you could argue is less supportive than the public system. Um, but I just, yeah, I'm curious what maybe what you think about is actually really resourcing you at the moment in this challenging transition that you said is, you know, kind of normal in a way the overwhelm yeah that's a good question I think it's um it wasn't easy I think it just kind of I think I there was something that I knew that was missing a little bit when I was studying going I feel like I'm not fully nourished in my learning experience and then just trying to create a space for that um Mm. outside of uni or time for reflection and even when I was looking for a job the first thing that I looked for was mentoring and I've been really lucky with um, my mentor. I've got heaps of time during the week to sit down um, and just having the experience of him just sort of saying, okay, so what are we focusing on today? Um, just that openness nice. and space to talk about whatever you know I need at the time and then not feel rushed in that time it's we've had enough time to actually sit go over things um and then you know he says this won't be the first time that we talk about this if we need to bring it up another time that's okay and just validating that it's not we have to rush and cover everything and we can never go back to it sort of thing so i think that's been really um 
yeah, really great experience just for my first year um, because I knew that I needed mm. that. I think that if I went into an environment where I felt really rushed and overwhelmed, then it might have been a different experience, but it's just been quite positive for me. So, mm. yeah. Does the expectation play a huge role, the lack of expectation, like having a mentor who's like, we're going to talk about this and we're going to come back to it when needed or just having openness about what you need kind does that as as an approach feel like something that's been so much more helpful because the other sort of thing that I one thing that I see a lot of people do where they're like okay we're just going to try and cram in so much knowledge and make you the most rounded clinician we can for the business as quickly as we can Mm. and that that lack of expectation has sort of allowed you to sort of settle in a bit more and and know that you've got someone who who doesn't expect you to be wonder kid from from day one yeah definitely and i think um like my natural personality i think a lot of people who are healthcare professionals you know you're you're keen to learn and you're keen to learn as much as you can and you want to do a good job and you want to achieve and that sort of thing. Um, and I think he could read that or he'd mentored quite a bit before so he understood that feeling of kind of coming in, wanting to learn as much as he can, but he just really focused on putting my mind at ease and giving me that space and just validating that it's okay, you don't have to know everything now. Um, it's all gonna come, you'll get better. And even just that validation just created so much less stress and kind of an openness to learn and I felt like I even retained a lot more while I was learning mm-hmm. when we were talking because I didn't have this feeling of okay this is the first time I'm going to hear this I've got to yeah. yeah soak everything up but um yeah I think that's something that I hadn't had before I kind of went oh okay what what are we going to work on today <laughs> you know yeah it's cool it's cool to hear there's men there's people out there doing that you know um and we, we never said that there weren't, but it's nice to hear like firsthand stories of people who are kind of really supporting the new grads in their transition. And that point around, like you said, retaining more information because of this sense of calmness or space or openness or, um, you know, like Alex brought up right at the beginning, like um, reassurance and just that like, ongoing reassurance that, you know, you can bring it up three or four or five times, you know, because that's what I'm really interested in is this retaining of knowledge or being able to actually deeply embed what we're learning rather than that sort of fast cram far out I've lost it now I feel incompetent and you know that spiraling that can happen well I'm talking to my experience now but the spiraling that I experienced when you know I really was trying to it felt like hold all this stuff in my head and none of it was actually staying in because I think my whole system was just so upregulated around expectations and um, I was already so far ahead going, I need to have a diagnosis and a plan and a, everything figured out and deliver it to the patient, you know, within 30 minutes of getting to know them, which is so ridiculous. But, you know, that's that, that was my experience of, of, of um, I suppose, being a new grad. Um, so it's great to hear people providing more of that space and that sort of open discussion. Um, is there anything that's... I suppose I'm just going to jump to another question I wanted to ask well, just while I, you were I, speaking. I was going to Sorry. say, I, I, before we finish that point, I've got, like, a, I think, a, a, a way of thinking that might help sort of explain. You grad me? In fact, we're going to go and... No, no, no. More just, more just, like, how I talk to people about starting new things. Sure. Good. So when I... When I started, um, I don't know when I started kickboxing, but when I moved from Melbourne to Canberra, one of the things I, I, I did was first, well, one of the few, first few things I did was I, I went and I signed up to another gym because I was like, well, this is how you meet people, this is how you do things. And mm-hmm. I remember going in and this gym was a very serious, uh, very serious fighting gym. And so they had lots of athletes and it was all this sort of thing. The guy, the guy that ran it was very good. He was an ex-mercenary of all things, uh, allegedly. I don't know. There were, the, the, you know, things. Um, so what would happen is you'd go into the sparring class and he was like trying to figure out what my level was. And I got, I got up against a whole bunch of these people that had just been there for years and they were just, they were not fit 
is is probably the way to put it. They were not fit at all. But mm. running circles around me, actually running real circles around me, and I'm just trying to hit them and I can't. I'm just like leaving like gassed. I'm going, how is this possible? And the thing that he said, and it sort of obviously I think came from military experience or combat experience, is this that worry and that concern mm. and that everything that was happening is like you just you're breathing a lot faster and harder you're you know tunnel visioning yourself heaps where you're only focusing on like what's everything immediately in front of you and you're not anticipating you're not thinking there's not there's no uh ability for your body to actually like settle in and recognize patterns and so i mean part of that is is then just getting used to that experience of getting in into a space and settling down and being calm part of it's about getting into the space and going i'm going to get hit and that is okay because i'm in an environment a safe environment uh that that is the gym that creates that environment you know wankers that that come in that try and beat people up do not survive (laughs) (laughs) they 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 get ratted out very quickly because they're asked to then spar the the guy runs the gym um but that is an experience like I just I that's it's the thing that's just coming up because for me because then it's a case of when you start to get better you can approach things slower mm. so you, you know all of a sudden now you're not racing to do something you're just like okay this is happening someone's advancing on me and I can be like okay I'm gonna st- I, I can step back but and in stepping back I'm creating the space now what am I going to do with this space I've just started squash, playing squash, and it's the exact same thing. The ball comes and you like frantically like run to it and you like, you know, wave your your, your racket around like an idiot trying to hit it. And then there's the space of, okay, the ball's coming. Okay, I'm going to get into position. And then all of a sudden you sit there and you're like, wow, I have this like full second and it just feels calm. Mm. And it's interesting because that's that's the thing that keeps coming up for, for me. Like when you're talking about your experiences that you're given that, that space in comparison to others where you're feeling like you know talking to people they're in that constant frantic state and trying to like thrash about and 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 figure out how to um do better but they're never in that point of of being able to sit back and go okay i'm going to be out i'm going to make mistakes and it's okay i've got this environment i don't feel like i'm I'm going to be judged unfairly when things don't go well and i have the space to be able to breathe not get exhausted or in this case you know burnt out but then also then actually make steps to be able to go oh, i can see this pattern or i can do this now mm. i think when i was listening to you alex and also listening to em like i'm thinking about also how her boss or her mentor is actually probably bringing a sense of um mindfulness or slowing down even to potentially to like the sessions with them you know like that sense of of how we're co-regulated or dysregulated by the people around us. So even I'm thinking about, you know, the the, what, the military guy, you know, but like the, the sense of the people around us and how they're actually influencing our ability to slow down and to be able to take a step back or, you know, so even the session of like, hey, what are we going to talk about today? You know, like that, just as soon as Em said that, I was like, oh, you know, like... That's this cool. Is, as much as as much as that guy was really intense and really like full on, there was just a mm. level where he would just like walk out into the middle of the and there was just this this there was an order of calmness because he's like, mm. you know, what's going to happen? Like I don't need to meet that high energy with energy. He was just, mm-hmm. just settled. And he's like, I've seen it all before, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's a huge there's that that huge element to it because I, I can I, I know you know especially when when I was younger and you know sort of a new senior clinician and people ask me questions you sort of you do get like oh my god you're not doing this oh my god no what's happening and <laughs> god I must have freaked some people out I'm a bit disappointed the viewers couldn't see your shaky arms then that was quite good <laughs> <laughs> as people may have picked up young Alex was not chill Alex neither <laughs> was young kid <laughs> Imagine if we'd met back then, Alex. Oh God! Probably dysregulate each other even more. I, I don't. I don't think we Why would have gotten say, along. Oh as, God! Because I, because I, well, I, I, I worry more about the impression I would have left than anything else. Uh, like I don't think we would have had a relationship. It would have been like this guy's too intense. <laughs> uh, we would have found a way. Mm. Um. 
I interrupted you before as well for going to bring that back. Or have you forgotten? No, no, no. No, I was, um, it was a good interruption. I love your stories. I love how your brain goes out and brings in those, um, those stories. They're great. My brain Um, also feels like that compliment is condescending. Um, No! I love your stories. You know I love your stories. Um, I was just going to ask Em, what came up for you listening to Alex's story? I also wanted to see if we could put self-defense stuff into our university degree. But anyway, that was just another random thought. <laughs> um, yeah, I think what came up for me when you were chatting, chatting Alex, was um, just that slowing down. And I feel like that's something that I've become more comfortable with over time and that's something that's really going to evolve as a clinician but um kind of embracing that uncertainty feeling and being able to think clearly and it's almost it's not a skill but just becoming more comfortable with like the silences or being able to say oh yeah what are we going to work on today um you know uh, do you feel like we're heading in the right direction to people mm. and being more comfortable asking those questions? Because um, I feel like it is a hard thing, I think, because you, you learn a little bit in terms of the the clinical side, but I think that's been the biggest growth area this year is kind of slowing down, um, kind of really trying to meet people where they are and figure out what they need and then thinking how can I give that to them? And I think a big part of that is not feeling like you need to fill the space or rush and deliver all this knowledge at once because you want to do a good job, but actually just stopping and having a really good conversation with someone and getting to know them as a person. Mm. Um, And you definitely need to be able to slow down for that and not have that need to, yeah, give all the information and educate and give the best treatment and you have to sort of get rid of that sense of yeah needing to just give and actually just listen to someone and then go from there Mm. yeah it's a lovely point the uh not offloading of, of of knowledge and information and actually stopping and seeing what's actually required um i felt that was a skill that took a while to develop because that again that sense of wanting to wanting to um meet the need from a from a, a kind of a fact place felt like what uh, we were we were trained to kind of do um i was gonna say and what's um the question i was gonna ask a while ago uh, before alex told his lovely story <laughs> look at his eyes doesn't believe me um, <laughs> um what something that um, is there something that's like surprisingly challenging for you as a new grad, or something just that surprised you that you didn't kind of feel like you prepared for, or just something that yeah is not kind of um, yeah basically what surprised you? It's a good question. I don't know about surprising, but I think the biggest thing is um, just kind of the fact that you're dealing with people so you can go in and you know you've got the script and you've got all the tools that uni gave you and then that just won't ever work for everyone Mm. and then that need to be adaptable um and I think that kind of what I spoke about before and giving that space in the console or really trying to slow down a bit allows you to make sure that you're doing the right thing for that person Mm. um so yeah I think uh, there's nothing that can really prepare you for that as a clinician, but and that just comes with time, I'm sure. But I think that's been the biggest challenge for me, just kind of making sure that, yeah, you're trying to give everyone what they need because everyone's going to be different. So mm. that's been the biggest challenge, I think. Mm. Yeah, I've I've got, got a question for you, Kit. Okay. I'm going to ignore the guest because... So helpful in, in, in giving up their time to come chat and bring up all these great things. But I do want to sort of like sort of take scoop up everything that you've been saying to us uh, and sort of flip it and say what what sort of for, for Kit, you know, we could see, you know, a lot of workplaces might not be have the, the training, the skill to, to provide this, but also a lot of workplaces, I wonder as well, how much of a level of survivorship bias 
there is because if we're not given a huge amount of space uh, at university and then at workplaces to uh, have these sort of open conversations settle in and become calm and you know there's a significant amount of people that are becoming burnt out and leaving do we end up with a group of you know a large amount of people who are um, by no fault of their own sort of just surviving based upon getting used to the chaos and getting used to uh, the, this sort of process and just becoming not comfortable within themselves but comfortable and just dealing with all this stuff going everywhere and I guess I'm thinking is what is the long-term impact and does that actually does that actually become reflected out because I, I see so many clinicians when they ask you know case-based questions and try and have discussions there's so much just like what am i doing what's happening how am i fixing this person what's going on here what do i want to do and it's not always in that frenetic way but that's sort of the this this sort of tunneled viewpoint in a way and they sort of haven't been opened up i'm, I'm interested if, if you're sort of thinking or, or seeing the same sort of things i'm a bit confused by the question can you can you say it again, like what you're specifically asking me? What do you think when I say this? Yeah. And what um, do you see this as uh, when you talk to clinicians or when you see people yeah. post online? Are, are you seeing this? And then how much do you think it's related to not having the safety and the reflective environments and that okay. we're ending up with a survivorship bias of people who are who are senior clinicians and people in that area, just the people who have survived. Yeah. I think the way I'll answer it is um, kind of probably specific to the people I've worked with who are a bit older. That's probably how I'll answer it. Um, because I think... Um, I think there's also some papers showing, and I correct me if I'm wrong, that burnout also kind of is less impacted once kind of you through your 10 years or something there was something around like the first three or four years are really tricky and then if you make it through a certain amount the, the burnout literature showed that it you know it's like they developed a resilience if you like or a, or their own strategies to coping with the chaos as you like you know as you named it so I think there's some literature around that um, and I suppose the clinicians that I've worked with um, how I'd answer that is that I think they did probably in a way find a way to work within their strengths and their interests, um, maybe even outside of the workplace or even within um, how they did their work. So it wasn't like big steps of, of um, developing a different interest, say in podiatry or, or physio, but being able to buffer the, the daily grind, if you like, or the, the sameness with something else that actually really um, engaged them, interests them, um, and allowed their full self to be seen in. Um, and then more so with the people I've been working more recently where we are develop having open conversations and they're, you know, they've been practising for 20 and 25 years, they're still now having that beautiful expansion of self and it's like it's bringing with, this, with it a beautiful like self-acceptance and self-compassion and like a softening to who they are, even though they're having this regret and perhaps even some grief around not having it provided 20, 25, even 30 years ago. Um, so I think there's this beautiful piece around th this development of self is never never too late, if you like, but also that it's, it's influencing how they are then treating their staff or how they're running their clinics or how they are... Um, you know, meeting themselves in whether they do want to reduce their hours or not be a health practitioner anymore. So I think there's this, I think there's this lovely piece around. Um, they always knew deep down that healthcare was about the whole human. It's just like they've never had the time, nor the guide, nor maybe the specific questions and open discussions to facilitate their inner world more. In a way, I hope I'm answering your question correctly. Oh no! The, um, the, the question is just there. Is it's more of a prompt? I'd say how did it land? Question, yeah, more more prompt. Yeah, um, which is why you were confused by it. Um, yes, <laughs> but I think yeah, specific to the people I've worked with, and you know, remember I'm um, uh, yeah, it's it's I'm finding that it's it's having like a not similar effect as like on M as them, but it's been beautiful watching their 
um, it's like their whole self comes to their work now in a way that is the, the, the words for me are, are self-compassion really and like a sense of um, like okayness or um, it's like a, a reassuredness in themselves even that might be 20 years in the making of being validated and it's just I think it's beautiful to see how that can still then influence clients other practitioners how they view the world um, it takes me back to again that podcast we chatted about a while ago Alex the Roger Walsh one mm. around development of the inner of our inner um, landscape essentially is never being not done as in like there's an end point but it's always there's always depth there and there's always beautiful um, things to explore and um, develop in ourselves, which is going to then influence every person that we work with or be with or talk with. Um, so it's like it's kind of softening, um, which might, who knows how that might impact someone else's, um, you know, again, from a complexity systems, you know, mindset. It's that change for that practitioner could have a flow on effect to you know, lots of different ways. Mm. I like what you said about how people always knew that it was, it's about the whole human and treating people as the whole human, but they sort of didn't know, like they don't have the, the questions or the space to be able to get there. Because I think that's something that I can see being a big struggle is sort of like knowing, oh, this is probably not the best way to go about it, but I don't know what else to do. And it just seems like a lot, like a theme that's sort of come up a lot is sort of paying attention to the spaces that we're creating. Because if we're not paying attention to people's experience, whether that be the patient in a student clinic, the patient in a private practice, the, the actual student themselves, hmm. we're accidentally creating environments that don't encourage asking of the like questions or developing these questions or you know even accidentally as people sort of stumble onto this and try and f like the space to form those questions mm. that seems sort of like we've we've got to have like more intention and in thinking about this and it might not have, like we said go back to my point we might not have to be able to prevent things but create space to go well this is gonna suck you know and, and i think you said it as well there's nothing to get over there's nothing that's going to make the experience of being a new grad um you know, not challenging, but having, you know, intentional spaces that best prepare people for it. Yeah. Mm. That sort of makes me wonder, Kit, how you're talking about the whole self. Mm. Do you know what might have helped you feel like you could feel that space a bit more when you were starting out or even just reflecting through the podcast? Is there anything that you think might have helped in that journey? Me, specifically? Yes. Uh, meeting Alex. That <laughs> 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 uh, no, would have been great to meet Alex back then. Um, I think, no, I think it's pretty oh, simple for me. <laughs> um, pretty simple for me. I would have just loved a space kind of like this, just somewhere where I could say, all the ridiculous things that were going on in my through my brain, um, just literally some you know someone just validating that I this is a human experience and that your humanness is meeting their humanness in the room and that that's actually contextual factors. Um, you know I, there was a big thing for me around I just for some reason didn't think that any part of who I was was actually contributing to the treatment or the outcome. So I literally felt like I was not part of it. I was just a, a vehicle for something. So I think anything for me that, you know, someone to just come along and, and humanise me in a way that um, was really genuine because, you know, my background, my family of origin stuff and where I've worked, it's very been, you know, rooted in that sort of Australian humour that is a bit of a piss take and is actually not, it's not kind in a way. So I think if, you know, even if someone had come along and been able to genuinely humanise me and not and me not think, like, actually be able to trust that they were being being honest and um, that would have been another layer for me. So I really needed some, some safety created, felt sense of safety and then a space to be able to say whatever I thought without it being 
judged or critiqued or um, um, problem solved, basically. Um, I think that would have been so supportive because then all of that worry and overwhelm would have had a space to go and be seen and met and then I just think a whole, a whole layer would have been kind of uh, settled. Yeah. Should we ask Alex what would have made a difference to him? Yeah, I was going to say, Alex, what do you, can you cast your mind back? <laughs> I, I, well, Kit's already brought up that I forget everything. Um, this, is a, this has been just a fantastic chat just from like, what is happening? I can't remember being a new grad. Um, but I also just had such a such a wild experience that I that I went into a into a, a clinic that had such a structured training process and had someone who's coming in on weekends to teach and it was always and actually like I was you know quite thankfully in a way restricted from seeing certain case presentations like everything was quite controlled uh, to make it so that I you know wasn't in an, in a environment where I was stuck so I I had a, a dream in a, in a lot of ways uh, because you know I didn't actually see a new patient by myself I always had someone else uh, with me uh, whenever I treated a new patient for like the first six seven months um, for new musculoskeletal patient all the other general stuff I did you know because that's that's the skill set that we had uh, and so just having not that stress and then being able to talk to them afterwards and be like, what did I miss? What was that? So, you know, I only had to really focus so much on the assessment and getting that right um, and working working from there. So dream. Uh, what I would say, though, was, you know, in that environment, though, I still had that exactly what, you know, your experience was in that there was a right or a wrong and that there was a way about going it because podiatry is a very you know biomechanical biomedical uh, profession to start with and so there, there is a right answer or there is a wrong answer if you're taking mm. that that viewpoint you know there is the right thing to do medically for that person and so it it would have been nice and what would have made that experience uh better was having that acknowledgement that actually there is a couple of there's quite a few things that you could do and bringing the patient in a whole lot more because the focus very much was in my training was especially that early was what is the thing what is it what are you assessing what are you identifying mm -hmm. what are you figuring out that needs to be fixed and then fixing it and it was only sort of actually at the end uh, that it was kind of like, okay, now we need to think about how you communicate with patients. Now we've got to think mm. about how you bring things up. You know, we, ha we started to have some uh, actual sessions. I remember one of, the, one of the best sort of things that happened was um, I got presented with this ultrasound uh, by my boss and he said, you know, this, have a read. Now imagine I'm the patient, how would you explain this to them? And it was, it was a benign tumour uh, on, on someone's toe uh, but it did say tumour and it always said like the tumour growth, you know, is this, it's this much bigger than last ultrasound, all this sort of stuff. And it was sort of that sort of experiential stuff was tacked on. It was seen as like good business. It wasn't seen as good medicine. Um, it was seen as how do you keep your patients? How do you retain them? So uh, that I think, you know, knowing me as well, it wants to get things right and do it the right way and compare myself to others. That's, you know that up that experience gave me a huge amount of skills and things that I could call on that then absolutely aided my development uh, because I didn't have to go through that period of worry and concern. Uh, but at the same time, it did also. It would have been really nice to be able to have that from the start, being able to go, okay, like you know, there is a base level of things that you need to be able to do. Don't miss, you know, some really serious stuff. But from there, it's a case of you know working with your patient and figuring out what's going to be the best for them and how to problem solve. Uh, that that came a whole lot lot later, uh, and that's sort of just been you know having to spend some time on learning things. So I, I don't actually really look back and think I was um, that if in a lot of ways there's a, there's a huge amount that I would change. Uh, but at the same time, then you see someone like yourself and come on and you're just like, oh, I've got all these, like, I've got a kind of a lot of things already figured out. And you're like, God damn it. Are you comparing, Alex? 
I don't have it all figured out, that's well, for sure. I, I guess the thing is, like, you, you've definitely figured out things that, that took, you know, took us a whole lot longer. And it's, mm. it's kind of awesome to see younger clinicians sort of picking it up and, and, and running with it, uh, specifically because then, you know, there's more likely likelihood that we're going to get this flow flowing through and, you know, mm. you, you guys running clinics and, and having a heap more experience with this sort of stuff. Um, and it's just that sort of point where it's like, it would be nice if we figured this out a bit earlier. Uh, that's interesting because you both sort of said having that space to just chat about what's going on with someone and I think, I don't know, we just need to clone you guys and give them to all the new grads. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the fact that I've been able to talk to kids just really helped me um, throughout the journey. I think I would have been a little bit lost otherwise um, in that sense. So, yeah, I feel very grateful that I've, yeah, it's almost facilitated being able to kind of go, all right, create the space for myself. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would have nearly have it. Um, I'm not, I don't have it figured out now, but that would have been way more lost without kid. That's for sure. It's nice to hear. I'm happy to support. Um, I think, I'm just curious, I got one more question if I'm allowed. I know we just ticked over the hour mark, but I'm curious, Alex, when you said, um, you kind of learnt about um, what's the problem and then you're like, now we've got to learn how to communicate it. And I just wondered if that's Em's experience, is that similar still to uni or um, or what her experience is of how we meet the client? Do you have a sense of whether you're meeting them on that sort of physiological level? No, you know, we know now, we know now, we now know how much we influence the person who's coming into our space. So, you know, you can imagine if we're, trying to meet the diagnosis first and not the person they're going to feel like they're not they're not even in the room with us you know they're going to feel potentially ignored or disconnected or so I just wonder Em your sense of uh, maybe how you do it it might not necessarily be university or not but do you get a sense of your communicating with them from you know as soon as they arrive or and I mean communication on a on a both a verbal and non-verbal like an embodied um, sort of uh, lens, or do you feel like that sort of sense of, oh, I've got to figure out what the problem is and then I've got to communicate it, that's sort of a bit more of a step process is happening? I think initially it was the latter, what you were saying, sort of that focus on diagnosis and making sure that you give them the best care possible. And I think a lot of that, your mind goes to clinical-based yep. things. And then as you get more confident, I guess Alex sort of spoke about this, but how we had a controlled learning environment at the start. When you become more confident in your clinical skills, it kind of enables you to know what's important and then be able to think a bit more broadly. And I think that's a bit of a journey that is gonna continue to, I don't know, I'll get better at it as mm. it goes along, as my clinical skills get better too. But um, I think it's been a conscious thing trying to make sure that I'm thinking about both rather than just starting on what's the diagnosis, what's the step process, mm. but really trying to think more broadly about how you're meeting the person um, and still just trying to figure out how the best way to give them what they need is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. I think we're at a point, Kit mentioned, that we've just ticked over the hour. Mm. And um, I think an hour is a nice time never really mm. talked about it actually but i think that's a nice nice bit of time for a chat it's like a coffee yeah you know? a nice slow mindful coffee yeah well like i mean i've definitely like just just go places we'll talk to people for three hours so that's something i have to actively fight but like it's a nice <laughs> coffee you go you have a chat you know you pack up off your trot can i ask how did that feel for you em yeah with some it's it's nice i think reflecting even more i guess on the experience because it's different when you sit down and um write it for yourself mm. rather than talking about it openly with other people um sort of a different thing but yeah it's been great to have a chat i've enjoyed it yeah i think thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your insight which is huge and i'm hoping that anyone's listening who's a new grad will even just again that reassurance and that reaffirmation around the things that we've talked about you know that that it is the challenge the support the spaces the 
um, all the things that we need to resource ourselves as we do, as we kind of walk the, the transition and knowing that it continually evolves. Um, and I think, I think it's just great to hear you speak about what you're speaking about. I think it just feels really real and genuine and I really appreciate you coming on and, and having a chat with us. Thank you. No, thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to agree with everything I can't beat. <laughs> she kind of took all the spots. She took every, all the nice things to say. She's got a lovely grey jumper on. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening to our episode. If you've made it this far in, we've been Real Clinicians, Real Chats. If you'd like to follow each of us, you can follow me. I'm the Rehab Podiatrist on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Kip, where can people follow uh, you? Yeah, I'm uh, wisephysiotherapy.com.au, wiseways.kit on Instagram, and wisephysiotherapy on Facebook. That's Still cute. no TikTok and no threads. Is that the new one? Oh, threads annoys me already because immediately I just get Gary Vanderchuk content or whatever his name is, Gary V, being like, I'm coming to Australia, hear me talk shit about, like, like you know, pay thousands of dollars to hear me how I make money. Ironically, <sighs> most of his money coming from anyone. Um, if you'd like to email us, uh, want to be a guest, things that come up for you, real clinicians, real chats at gmail.com. We also have our own Instagram, real clinicians, real chats. You can see when new episodes come out or subscribe to us on your podcast uh, player of choice. Oh. Em, do you want anyone to find you or do you want to remain somewhat anonymous? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't really be found anywhere currently. Um, no, just at my clinic. <laughs> find her in person. Do mail, maybe turn up. I don't know. Go to the Sunshine Coast and look for Em. <laughs> great human. I'm just imagining someone on the side of the road just being like, have you seen Em? Like, yeah, this long... <laughs> Like, she's got a great, she's got a great jumper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, All right. Thanks, Alice. Oh, thank you both. That's been great. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. See you next time. Bye bye.